When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com excuse to start your free trial membership. Season 7, episode 36. This is Writing Excuses, writing gaming fiction with Monty Cook. Fifteen minutes long because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Mar- <laughs> Dan leaves and we just fall all over ourselves. I'm like, I'm waiting for Dan. Yes. Dan Wells is in Germany right now. Um, and the rest of us are at Gen Con with Monty Cook. Monty, say hello. Hello. Uh, Monty, will you tell us about yourself? I, I don't think you actually need an introduction, but you are one of the greatest luminaries in, um, in role-playing. And uh, just tell us just a brief sketch on your career. Uh, I'll just take that and go with that. Um, (laughs) Thanks for the cover quote. (laughs) Uh, uh, So I've I've been working as a game designer for about 25 years, uh, which means I've never had a real job. And uh, I've worked on a a lot of different games, but uh, uh, primarily known for uh, D&D. Okay. You worked on 3.0. I did. and what was your what was your role on 3.0? What, what um, well, I was one of the three uh, core designers, along with Jonathan Tweet and Skip Williams. Okay, yeah. Um, and you have also done a lot of prose as well. I uh, not as much, but yes. yes. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, what we want to talk about with you really is uh, a lot of our listeners are probably interested in role playing games, and we want to talk about the differences between writing um, setting for a role playing game, writing uh, world building for a role playing game. And maybe the difference between that and regular prose. And also, kind of, if you have a game, how you could turn that into a good story. Because I run into a lot of of new writers who have played this great campaign they had with their friends, and now they want to write the book of it. And they've seen that it's possible because that happened with Margaret Rice and Tracy Aikman. It happened with Steven Erickson. um, That they took their campaign and turned it into a novel. But most of them are complete disasters. Yes. Um, So my first question is, what is the difference between the two? Like, what differences do you notice? Well, so the easiest way for me to describe what I think of the differences is uh, when you are writing prose, you are the storyteller. When you are writing for a game, you are the person who enables someone else to be the storyteller. Okay. And it's a very different uh, approach to things. Okay. So if you, um, let's say someone wants to write a gaming module. Right. Um, do you have like some, some rules of thumb you can give them? I mean, it's a big topic, but for the world building, not for the gaming part, but for you know, the storytelling aspect of it, what, what would you suggest? I think that um, to, to take a step back and don't think of yourself as I've got this great story to tell, 
um, so that you begin to look at, uh, r rather than looking at things linearly, right? Uh -huh. um, my characters are going to go from point A to point B. You have to think about things like, well, the characters might decide to go to point C, or they might decide to go to point J. And you have to cover all of those sort of contingencies and make them all equally valid. Okay, okay. Um, in these sorts of modules and things, what are you usually trying to give them, you know, characters that they can put in many different places? Um, or or how, how are you approaching characterization? Well, see, that's, that's another big difference, right? Because as a, a prose writer, you're going to be the one who creates the characters as well as the story. Uh -huh. And uh, when you're writing uh, for games, someone else is probably creating the characters who are right. going to be the main characters in your story. Right. Um, what about the NPCs? The NPCs, um, you'll, you'll be creating them. And uh -huh. since we will have people listening who are not gamers, let's make sure okay, we define jargon. Uh, we should probably <laughs> define jargon. Uh, so NPC, these are the people, the side characters, so non -player to speak. Non-player characters. Non-player characters yeah. that, that, that uh, the players will encounter. Um, and, you know, I feel, personally, I really, one of the things I look for in a module when I pick one up, they're, they're going to give me NPCs that are memorable and evocative that I can use in the, the story that the players and I are going to come up with. What, uh, what is the mark of a good NPC, in your opinion? Um, it's, it's definitely, it, that's very similar to mm -hmm. uh, creating a prose character because I think the mark of a good NPC is one that you're going to remember. Right? Okay. Just like with a, a regular character, it's, it's, it's somebody that, you know, once you leave that game session, the players are all going to say, well, remember that guy? He was really entertaining or funny or uh -huh. tough or whatever. The one thing that uh, I've found to keep in mind with NPCs is that uh, the player characters are all being voiced, performed, if you will, by the players. The NPC is typically being performed by the, the GM. If you have two really interesting NPCs and part of the story requires them to interact with each other, your module is stupid because now the DM is talking to himself oh, and the right. players are listening. Right. And so, and we, I've been in a number of games where that's happened and the GM has stopped the game and said, okay, look, we need to move the story forward. This shouldn't have fallen out this way, but what I want you to do, and he'd hand one of us a note and say, you know, I want you to, I want you to play the part of this character for a little while, which was fun for us as a group but I, I rarely see commercial modules that are built that way because it is a little silly. So how do you build a story when you don't know what people are going to end up doing? Well, it's, it's a lot like when you're, um, when you're at sort of the formative stages of figuring out what your story is as far as prose goes, mm -hmm. right? And you start just sort of exploring all the possibilities of things that could happen. But you then have to embrace all of it. When you're a prose writer, you just choose one. Right. Right. And when you're writing an adventure module, you choose all of them. Mm-hmm. Wow. That seems really scary <laughs> and really daunting. It, it, it can be. Uh, and, you're, and, and you have to sort of realize that you're never going to cover all mm -hmm. the possibilities, right? But that's why you've got a game master. Um, who is, uh, you know, he's the guy, he's the real storyteller, or, re or rather the whole group is really the storyteller, uh -huh. right? But you've got a living, breathing person who's sort of the story's advocate there, okay. taking care of things. There's um, something that you had talked about on your website about side quests and the importance of side quests as a way to have stories move forward and be more interesting, and I cannot remember the example that you used. 
Which is good because Monty's right here. Yes. <laughs> Go, Monty. Well, I think what I uh, I think what I was talking about, and maybe I'm misremembering, but um, uh, is the idea that uh, much like in a good uh, piece of fiction, when you are dealing with multiple story arcs, you start building uh, the second story arc in the middle of the first story oh, okay, arc. Yeah. Right, so that there's never sort of this period of downtime in between them. You're always just sort of going and finishing, finishing one, but you've already started the next one, and you just keep going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now we've talked, um, we've talked about plot and character setting. What do you do? You do a lot of the, the world building for for um, things like this, or is that basically do you do you focus more on like your own personal experience? Do you focus more on rule sets, or have you done the world building things? Um, I've I've done both. Okay. Um, and and I would hate to have to choose because I love yeah. them. Both. Okay. So yeah. what makes good world building for gaming fiction or for gaming? Just for role playing games, what what in your opinion is going to work well? Um, again, you're probably looking at well, you're looking at sort of two things. Uh, as far as as a setting for role playing games go, you've got to create a setting that is interest as inter an interesting place for multiple stories, right? Mm. Um, Middle Earth, for example, uh, although there have been very successful Middle Earth mm -hmm. role playing games, Middle Earth is challenging because Middle Earth is a setting that's really good for one story to be right. told in it, right? But you actually need something where you need to be able to have a lot of different stories, multiple villains, lots of things going on. Um, right. And the other thing is you have to have an extraordinarily, uh, an extraordinary level of detail, probably even more so than when you're world building for writing fiction, because again, you don't know where the characters are gonna go, and they might go explore that town that you really didn't really think too much about, and all of a sudden they're going to spend their whole campaign in this place that you know you only devoted a half an hour thinking about. Yeah. Hey writers, are you thinking about learning a new language? I think exploring the world, experiencing other cultures, and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer, better stories. A great way to do that is with Rosetta Stone, a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. They use an immersive technique, which leads to fast language acquisition. It's an intuitive process that helps you really learn to speak, listen, and most of all, think in the language you're trying to learn. They also feature true accent speech recognition technology that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's like having a voice coach in your home. Learn at home or on the go with a desktop and mobile app that let you download and access lessons even when you're offline. And it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership gives you access to all 25 languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Japanese, and, of course, Korean. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, 
planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Um, let's go ahead and do our book of the week. Oh, yes. um, Mary, you've got that. Yes. Um, this is Cavalier and Clay by Michael Chabon. I'm in the middle of listening to it right now. Um, it's wonderfully narrated. And, of course, it's a fantastic book that has won, won ridiculous numbers of awards. Um, but it, one of the things that I particularly enjoy about it is the, the, his approach to narrative and, and the nesting of the stories and that he has created a really compelling, very interesting world. Excellent. And again, really beautifully narrated. Howard? Head on out to audiblepodcast.com slash excuse. You can start a free 30-day trial membership and have a listen to Cavalier and Clay by Michael Chabon absolutely free and get a second book at a big discount whose finer details I can't remember. <laughs> You're fired. Um, <laughs> uh, Mary, you had something you want to jump on? Yeah, well, one of the things that, that I was thinking about is, as Monty was talking about the world building and that there are a lot of different stories that you want, that, that the world is capable of supporting, is that that is also, I think, one of the hallmarks of successful series in prose, is that the, the, the world building is interesting enough that it can support multiple different stories. So, yeah. so that's, um, I think, one of the things that you were talking about was you know, having, having multiple conflicts and villains, and that, that is, that's a hallmark in, in either. You know, in the past, uh, in, in this podcast, we've cautioned people against world builder's disease. Yes. Yeah. And we've said, you know, world build up to a point, but then you, you need to start putting characters in there. You need to start telling a story. You need to start, uh, you need to start writing some words that are going to stay on the pages. Um, I, it seems to me that for game design... You can let your inner world builder loose and say, hey, you know what? I don't know who the people are who are going to be running around in this town fixing the things that are broken, but, but I need to drill down and find all the things in this town that are broken and how right. the town works, and I need to name the shopkeepers. And so your inner world builder can go crazy. Yeah, but the other thing that I would, I would say, though, is that you still need... Because role-playing games are, are a creative exercise, you still need to leave a little bit of room for the game master to expand on things, create his own people and, and his own adventures, and, and, and give him a little room too, or her. Now, um, the thing I want to jump on next is, and we can just do this briefly, but um, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, I've seen people try and take their D&D campaign you know, that they had and write it as a novel, um, and it, it's I've tried to figure out why it is that so often that turns out to be a complete disaster. And one of the things I've kind of noticed is that what is funny to your gaming group is informed a lot of times by the context, or what was really exciting is informed by the context of, you know, we got the natural 20 when, you know, the one time we really needed it. 
But if you translate that to fiction, it's just like, and yes, he actually managed to stab the creature. Um, and there isn't that, you know, we, to you, it's only a 5% chance. But in the fiction, the reader's like, of course he's going to stab the creature. That's what the story's about. And so creating tension and creating humor is very different. And I've seen them write it, and they'll, they'll like, include all the inside jokes from their gaming group, assuming it will be as hilarious to everyone outside of their gaming group, not understanding how much of that experience is about the context. Right. I think part of the problem is that when you're playing a role-playing game, no matter how interesting the characters are that are taking part in the game itself, a lot of what's going on is actually going on at the table. So mm -hmm. every character is really a fantasy character and also a real living human being. And when you just have the fantasy character, it, it quite possibly could lose a lot. Now, have you depth. ever written any of your own um, campaigns that you've played, um, or any of your own characters, into um, fiction? No. Okay. Um, I, I think of them as so <coughs> different that I would never really even want to try that. Um, do, you, do you have just a few <clears throat> reasons for those differences, um, or examples? Of those well, you know, uh, a lot of the things that you're talking about are exactly uh, what I think of, right? That that the things that are interesting and dynamic in a role-playing game are not interesting and dynamic in fiction, right? Going into the next room right. and fighting another three orcs, it can be really fun right. playing D&D, playing &D, but reading about that, probably not. Um, so that, that, I think, is... It, it can be a problem. Um, right. You know, because... Yeah. yeah. I look at it as the... Uh, uh, the try-fail cycle. Mm. Right. In a book, it's very, very interesting for us as the reader to have a, uh, a protagonist who tries and fails, tries and fails, tries and fails, tries and fails, small success, tries and fails, tries and fails, tries and fails, figures something out, big success at the end. Gamers will not put up right. with that much failure before they say, this game is no fun, I keep almost dying, you know, you need to make me awesome. Mm -hmm. yeah. And... Well, Role-playing games are. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, role-playing games are also very episodic, mm -hmm. right? Because you play for a few hours on Friday, and then you might not meet again for two weeks. So doing the same things over and over again doesn't seem nearly as repetitive as if you were reading all that, you know, chapter after chapter after chapter. Do you think some of it is also related to the stakes that are, you know, because in in fiction, you've you've built up. Well, I have to do this, or my poor widowed mother with all of us are you know, going to starve and die, that there's a, there's a personal stakes and that sometimes um, the thing that is at stake in a game may be uh, the game. Yeah, I think that that, that is really true, mm -hmm. right? None of the drama, you know, we, I, I sometimes use the term that when I'm reading fiction that has clearly been coming, comes from a game or is game related, right? When you can actually hear the dice roll as you're turning the pages, right. I think that's problematic. Yeah. Yeah. I have one more question for you. It's actually a very big question. Um, and so feel free to say, we just can't cover that. Um, but if you, I, I'm going to assume that somebody out there listening, probably multiple somebodies, has a dream of publishing their own modules or campaign settings or things like this. Um, and I see a very kind of explosion of indie publishing, mm -hmm. um, not uh, in gaming, in fact, much more so even than fiction where it's been exploding also. Can you give just a few tips to that new budding game designer writer who's like, I want to do my, my role-playing game? What can they do? So what I usually tell people is if you have a, 
your own game, you have your own campaign setting for D&D or Pathfinder or whatever it is, to start out trying to get those things published is like deciding, I'm going to work at Microsoft and I'm going to take Bill Gates' job. Uh, you know, it is, it is starting at the top and it's so much easier to start lower and work your way up. And um, so what would that be? That would be something like working for uh, working for a company that uses uh, freelance work, mm -hmm. or uh, publishing in magazines. There's uh, Kobold Quarterly. Mm -hmm. There's uh, Dungeon and Dragon magazine online. Mm -hmm. um, they all look for outside submissions. Okay, mm -hmm. so you can just submit to those unsolicitedly. Uh, say, those three, you definitely can. Um, and so, okay, well, that's that's actually great advice. I had no idea you could yeah. even do that. Um, all right, well, Monty, thank you so much for being on Writing Excuses. Now, I usually do this to guests. I make them come up with a writing prompt. Okay. Um, so I'm going to talk like in circles for like 30 seconds <laughs> while you think of a writing prompt for our, um, for our listeners. But give them something. What can they, what can they do? What are they going to write? Um, um, something involving Stick the landing, Monty. <laughs> stick the landing. <laughs> you can make them kill me. Um, <laughs> can you do this? Um, how about, uh, uh, the writing prompt is, in, for some reason, uh, a character is, is put into the head of, a, or into the body of another character. Okay. Great writing Great. prompt. Thank you so much. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. All right. Cool. Thank you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.